Welcome to our Bay Health Festivals podcast on anatomy. Other podcasts are available on our Health Festivals website, thebayhealthfestivals.org.uk slash podcasts. From mental health to race and healthcare, the Bay Health Festivals has considered all aspects of life and well-being. But what can we learn from what's inside? Can we see how healthy we are? So we're going to start, this is, a, this is an animal heart, this is an ox heart, okay? So it's about half the size of a human head. Professor Adam Taylor from Lancaster University is director of the Clinical Anatomy Learning Centre and professor in anatomy. He showed students from Our Lady's Catholic College and Lancaster Grammar School how dissecting an animal's heart can give clues about health that we can all consider. From the outside there's a glistening shiny appearance and that's perfectly normal, okay? This is the same appearance as any other muscle in the body but this is a special type of muscle and we'll come on and talk about that. What about this stuff here? Does anybody want to have a guess what this is on the outside? This kind of, it's hard to feel. Yeah, go on. It's fat. And do you think that's normal or abnormal? I'd say it's pretty normal. It's pretty normal. So to have fat around the heart is not uncommon, okay? Everything, like everything else in the body, moderation. So we need fat around the heart. It insulates the heart, it protects the heart, and we've got a number of things on the external surface that it's there to help protect. So I'm rolling it over to the what, what we would call the back of the heart here. And can you see this? It almost looks like a river running down the, the surface. Can you see it on this side here? So this is one of our what we call our coronary vessels. This is coronary artery. All arteries supply blood to something and the heart's no difference. It's probably the hardest working muscle in the body and it needs a supply of, of blood and this is a coronary artery running down the posterior wall of the heart. We've also got one running down the anterior wall of the heart and <clears throat> as the heart beats and contracts that um, fat insulates those vessels against being squished too much from the outside. At the top here, sorry I'm just going to take this out, so this is a blood clot it's, uh, there's a number of them in there. Uh, that's a blood clot. So if we position it from the top here, hang on. Should have brought my goggles. There we go, another blood clot. If we position it from the top here, we've got a number of openings that you can see. And I'll talk you through more of these shortly, but that's just to give you a, a, <coughs> a, an appreciation of, of the outside. So if we begin our journey into the heart internally. I'm going to open it up using the slice that's already been made. Okay. There we go. The slice that's already been made. So if we look inside, we've got perfectly normal heart muscle. So the heart muscle itself is known as myocardium. Okay, this is the myocardium. This is this is the heart muscle. Very red because it's got a rich blood supply and lots of muscular fibers in the same way that any other muscle uh, in the body does. Myocardium is special because it's a type of muscle that can contract on its own. So when you raise your hand, when you stand up, when you walk around, you're controlling that musculature. This myocardium has its own pacemaker. It has its own electrical circuit that causes it to contract, and that is what our heartbeat is. Okay. So as we go inside, we're going to look at the four chambers. The heart has four chambers. There's two atrium and two ventricles. The atria are at the top, and they're rather small up here. We can't, we're not inside, I'm going to open them up here in, in just a second, but they're at the top here. The two chambers that we're looking at at the bottom, in the bottom at the moment, are the ventricles, okay? What do you notice about the ventricles? So the one I've currently got my thumbs in at the moment, 
this chamber here, when we stitch it back together, that's the right ventricle. And then this larger one that I'm running my thumbs through now, when we stitch it back together, is the left ventricle. Does anybody notice the difference between the left and the right? It's more muscular, but what about the space as well? So I can, if I close this up, I can get maybe three or four fingers into the right ventricle. If I close it up again, I can get at least most of my hand in there. The left ventricle is much larger in terms of volume compared to the right ventricle. And you're right about the, what do you say, the musculature? Yeah, absolutely right. So the left ventricle has a thicker wall. So at the bottom here, this is the thickness of the left ventricle wall. And this is the thickness of the right ventricle wall. So I would say in this here, so right ventricle thickness here, left ventricle thickness here, right here, left here. I would say the left is probably about three times the thickness of the right. Why? Why does the left ventricle have a much thicker muscular wall than that of the right? Why, why higher pressure? Why is it against the higher pressure? You're absolutely right. But these, these are the questions that everybody, everybody's going to want to answer. Why is it against higher pressure? As, as you said, the right-hand side is just going to the lungs. The lungs are relatively, they're like a sponge, basically. We're just pushing blood liquid into a sponge. The right, the left-hand side, sorry, has to pump against everything in the body, all of the muscles, all of the capillary beds in those muscles. It has to pump into bone, the liver, the, uh, the heart itself. And so it requires a much bigger muscle, it, just in the same way as the bigger your muscles in your arms and legs are, the more weight that they're able to move. So that's the right, and this is the left. So let's start with, let's start our journey in the right atrium, okay? So I've currently got my index and middle finger sat in the right atrium, okay? So as blood comes back from around the body, it's received into the right atrium. The atria are receiving chambers in the body. We have blood coming back through two holes, two vessels, uh, into two holes into the right atrium, and I've basically got my fingers running through those two holes. One corresponds to what we call the inferior vena cava, which brings blood back from basically below the heart, and the other is the superior vena cava, which brings blood back from above the heart and everything empties into this chamber, which is the right atrium. So what I'm gonna do now is just open that up so you can have a look inside, okay? So if we go back to the right atrium into here, I can put my fingers into that atrial space now. It passes down through an atrial ventricular valve into the right ventricle, okay? So my index finger is now poking out through that valve into the right ventricle. In the right atrium, the atria are very small, but can you see these kind of strands of string? Can you, can you make those out? Can you see at the back there? Yeah, these kind of stringy strands that I can't quite get my finger under, yeah? So this is a special type of muscle in the right atrium, and what that helps to do is to pump the blood into the right ventricle. So it goes through the valve into the right ventricle, and we can see there are bridges of muscle, these are called trabecular carne, muscular bridges, that jump across inside the ventricle from one side of the wall to the other. And they help, when the heart contracts, they maximise the pressure that the heart generates to pump blood out and through, out into the pulmonary artery. Okay, so from the right ventricle, if we were to close it back up, it goes from the right ventricle up into this vessel here. So this is the vessel that's taking blood away from the heart to the lungs. So it goes up from this side and comes out here to the lungs on either side. And that's the pulmonary artery. From there, 
blood goes to the lungs, carbon dioxide is, is exchanged for oxygen, and it then comes back into the left atrium. But what about our lungs? What can we learn during dissection that will give us guidance about how we can stay healthy? We all know that when we get colds and uh, other kinds of viruses and bacteria in our respiratory system, we, we have a cough. That's one of the mechanisms to prevent things getting down into, <laughs> down into the lungs. Um, but there's a specialised lining down our trachea and into the upper parts of the bronchial system that exists. And there's a special type of cell lining those, um, those airways. And they've got little hairs on them and we've got special cells that produce mucus. So when you've got a cough or a cold and you cut, you're coughing up sputum, which is always a horrible colour, that's a protective mechanism. So everything that we've got is a means to prevent things getting into our respiratory system. That being said, there are instances where, particularly with things like pneumonia, where we're particularly unwell, where we get pus and all sorts of other things collecting deep down in the lungs. Typically, if the immune system is able to function properly, they can be cleared by the immune system separately. Um, it's incredibly difficult when you get down, going in to clear them through the, the respiratory system. You get to a point where you wouldn't be able to get an instrument or anything that far down into the, into the, you know, into the depths of the lung tissue itself. So we typically rely on the body's cellular mechanisms to try and clear out, but often it requires medical uh, uh, intervention in terms of things like antibiotics, etc., to help help clear clear that. Now as we go down we see that that splits and we've had a, a really interesting question from the floor and that is related to why premature babies can't breathe on their own or struggle to breathe and there's a couple of reasons for that. One of them is when we breathe we rely on the musculature of the of the thoracic wall, the muscles between the ribs and, and the diaphragm uh, and also at a very young age, uh, babies actually use their, their abdominal muscles. So those muscles that form the, the so-called six-pack muscles, they typically use their abdomen to breathe uh, rather than their thorax. And so part of it is to do with the development of those muscles. But the other thing is that up until about week 26, 28, their respiratory system hasn't fully developed enough. So it's usually about 38, week 40 when they're born. So it takes in the final 10 weeks, in the last 10 weeks of their development in pregnancy is the point where they're actually able to fully function. And the other thing is we have a special type of cell in our lung that produces something called surfactant, which is important in, in, in really deep down in the lungs, holding the airways open, the tiny microscopic alveoli open. Uh, and that surfactant creates hypertension. That's really important in holding it open. And before that, um, before about 28 weeks, the cells that make that aren't yet fully functional again. So there's a combination of factors, which is why when premature babies are born, particularly before 28 weeks, they often require quite, uh, quite close monitoring and, and careful uh, intervention in, in helping them breathe. Okay, so we looked at the tracheal rings as we go down, and we know that um, our respiratory system is, is how COVID is, is, is ta typically taken into the body. It gets deep down into the lungs, for example, and those uh, interfaces between the airways and the capillaries are very thin, as we said before. Typically, when we get right down to the alveolar, it's only a single cell thickness between the airways and the, uh, and the capillaries. And on the surface of those airways is where the COVID virus binds. And it is basically a lock and key theory. The, COVID, the, the virus gets hold of, of, of the receptor and uses it to get into the bloodstream. And it is there that everything begins to, to happen. And one of the key things about COVID is that shortness of breath. And we get the response in deep down in the lungs, whereby 
we begin to get our immune cells uh, creating an inflammatory response and that can make, th make things worse uh, in terms of filling some of those air spaces. But we can also end up with, with things like pneumonia where we get the lung tissue being filled with, uh, with pus uh, and, and kind of creating that shortness of breath. So what I'm doing now is just cutting into the lung tissue and we can have a look at, at the inner substance of that. So you can see that it's a mixture of kind of pink and blacks and the pinks and blacks, the pinky orange colour is the respiratory tissue and then the reds, uh, reddy black colour is, is the blood vessels that exist within the, within the lung tissue. So this is, this is what a, a, a relatively healthy lung looks like. And you can see if I squeeze that, there's still blood in there and it comes out through those vessels. Okay, so we've got the respiratory tissue in here. And it's the same on the other side. And where we get pathologies in the lungs, where we get problems, pneumonia, COVID, etc., the lower down it is, the harder it often is to clear because gravity takes an effect, for example. And again, you can see there's nothing coming out. These are healthy lungs. How do I know these are healthy? Because when I squeeze it, there's nothing coming out other than blood out of the vasculature. If these run healthy and I squeezed it, we'd get kind of pus and liquidy stuff coming out of the, the tissue. And that's, that's not the case in here. Okay. So how do you look after your lungs then, Adam? Uh, again, it's, you know, it's, it's about everything in moderation, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we, 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 there's a, a strong anti-smoking message, uh, uh, you know, and there's no doubt that the evidence is that smoking damages the lungs. But exposure to fresh air, you know, that's the best thing, getting good, clean, fresh air in there. We talk about going out for a walk, you know, yeah. doing 30 minutes brisk walking every day. Uh, that doesn't just give you overall health, but, it, you know, lung health, right. uh, you know, and uh, exp uh, minimising exposure to, you know, yeah. dusty environments and those kinds right. of things. Where you're getting excessive amounts of particulate matter going in, you know, right. that, that kind of, you know, being sensible, wearing dust yeah. masks when we're doing DIY yeah, work okay. and that, okay. that, that kind of thing. Fantastic. You know, all, all the stuff that goes with general kind of health. Right. The dissection session certainly caught the imagination of students from the two Lancaster schools who watched on in awe. But what difference will it make to how they lead their lives in future? It was good. Very good. Just the general function of our organs, to be fair. Stop smoking. Because I'm, I'm thinking to do medicine, so of course there will be some placements in the surgical area, so it'll be better for the personal statement. I can see the skills that are required to um, go and then do perform surgeries, like uh, do practice and everything on different animals, like different organs. Thank you for downloading our Bay Health Festivals podcast. Other podcasts are available on our festivals website, thebayhealthfestivals.org.uk slash podcasts.